Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Welcome in, everybody. Glad to see you on this Wednesday night. And uh, Mississippi State's basketball season is now, well, okay. I say officially over. For all intents and purposes, Mississippi State basketball is done. And a coaching change is on its way in Starkville. But in the meantime, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm glad you guys are with me. Let me uh, just get this out here. Let me share the uh, the live stream. And we'll get started. So glad you guys are with me. Uh, again, State loses to Alabama. That season is over. But give me one second here. All right now, join in here. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe. By the way, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, just my name. If you're listening in podcast form, find me on YouTube, Michael Borky, and Twitter and Facebook, all under the same name. Subscribe and follow there. Actually, like the video as well while you're here. That will uh, I will appreciate that a lot. And wherever you get your podcasts, that or my name should turn up results. So let's get started. I'm going to try something different tonight. I actually, I have no notes. On my desk right now, I have my phone. I have uh, my son's, one of my son's many little cars that he just loves and uh, a water. That's all I got. That's all I got. So no notes. It's just going to be up to you guys. You guys are going to drive the conversation completely tonight. I don't have a single note in front of me. Nothing planned. Although I do, if uh, if you guys want to talk about it, I do want to get to, at some point, Major League Baseball. And uh, pitchers and catchers, again, are, are supposed to be at spring training right now. Apparently, they're going to meet over the weekend. Maybe there's some progress there. I don't know. But Major League Baseball um, is trying to basically gut the minor league system. They are... Uh, proposing the cutting of up to 30 roster spots, player positions, player jobs, what do you want to call it, per team. Hundreds of player jobs, if they get their way, will be cut. And obviously, with that number being removed from a system, that's an entire roster's worth of players. So you're going to lose teams, and you've already lost teams. I mean, this is not new for Major League Baseball. I would like to talk about that at some point, but I'm just going to leave it up to you. We're going to talk about what you want to talk about tonight for uh, the next 45 minutes or so, however long this thing lasts. But again, I'm glad you guys uh, are with me here. Fred says, Hallen needs to go ASAP. Leave him in Tuscaloosa. No, I, I know what you mean. Let him coach the season, though, but it's over. It's absolutely over, and it's totally justified. There, There is really not another opinion to be had here. Uh and it usually doesn't work like that. And I know in my business, I'm supposed to be super like hard, you know, hard, hot, takey, whatever. But in this case, I don't think there's an opinion that can be counter argued to this needs to be the end of Ben Howland at Mississippi State. Barring a run to the SEC championship, that will not happen, by the way. It's not going to happen. So don't worry about it. Barring something like that, Ben Howland needs to be done at Mississippi State. And he needs to be done. Um, it's really that simple. A coaching search needs to commence. Uh, John Cohen needs to be sitting in his office tonight on the phone with agents and search firms and all the crap that they have to do to cross their T's and dot their I's. And he needs to begin searching for Ben Howland's replacement. It is over. It is over. Simply put, it is over. And it is time for Mississippi State to make a change. It's really that simple. Um, they are too talented to be this bad. Uh, one NCAA tournament appearance in seven years is not good enough in today's SEC. It's simply not. And now that you're going to be renovating the arena, which, uh, sorry, state fans, uh, I don't think's enough. I don't think the renovation's enough. Uh, it, it's a building that's lagging behind most of the rest of the league, and you've got others that are building new buildings like Alabama. They're they're getting an entire new arena. Ole Miss recently built a brand new arena. 
Auburn's is kind of sort of new. Um, you know, a 30, almost $40 million renovation is, especially when you factor in today's costs, um, it's not enough, I don't think. Um, it's better. Don't get me wrong. It's better. It's better than doing nothing. Uh, I, I just don't know if it's enough. Either way, you're doing renovations to your arena. Your fan support is gone. It's dead. Nobody cares. There's apathy, and it's only one of two money sports on campus. I know baseball makes a little if they want to, but basketball is one of two money sports on campus. You cannot afford for it to go on like this any further. It is time for a change. John Cohen needs to begin conducting a coaching search tonight. It needs to happen. <laughs> I mean, I would let Ben Howland coach out the season because he's he's handled himself well at Mississippi State. He's recruited well. He's represented the school well, all that good stuff. So you don't have to fire him today to get the search started. That's You, you just don't have to do that. I find that really unnecessary. Uh, but the search needs to begin tonight. He needs to be doing that right now. If if I were him, it would it would happen now. Since is Howland gone, Kermit gone with exclamation points and question marks. I'll get to that here in a second. Chris says, I'm Mr. Momming tonight. Wife has a stomach bug. Can't wait to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Good evening, Wayne. Glad to see you. Really glad to see you, man. Uh, William says, Kermit, question mark. And then Chris says, attendance looked rough in Oxford last night. And yes, Jason, you tried to you tried to tell me. It just it wasn't over yet. Now it is, but it, at the time it wasn't over. Now it is, and now uh, the era of Ben Howland is over at State, without a doubt. Here's the interesting thing, Chris, and we talked about this a lot on the radio show today, and I talked about it some with you guys on on Monday night. But last night should have at least changed the conversation some for Ole Miss. So for State, it's over. Like, Fred, I agree with you. It's over. It's over. The Ben Howland era at Mississippi State is over, and they need it needs to be done. It's not that simple when you're talking about Ole Miss. I mean, it's Ben Howland has been at State for three more years with just that one NCAA tournament appearance, and he has amassed better rosters, at least in my opinion, to this point, and has underachieved with them. But last night was a problem for a couple of things uh, with Ole Miss. And again, we talked about this, about this on the radio show some. So if you listen to that, you know, my opinion hasn't changed much in two hours. But um, a couple of things. First of all, yes, Ole Miss is very banged up. You know, Deshaun Ruffin's not playing. If Deshaun Ruffin was playing, they may not, probably don't lose last night. But he's not. And they did. But th- this idea that it's only injuries that have caused Ole Miss to not be good this season, I think is wrong. I think it's very wrong. Uh, and In fact, I hope nobody buys that because this team, before it really got bit by the injury bug, still wasn't impressive by any stretch. This is a team that still lost to Samford at home. And yes, I know uh, that Ruffin got hurt earlier before you know the season ender. Um, I know Jarkel Joyner got hurt and is playing a lot of minutes despite being what people thought was season-ending injured a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I'm, I understand that. I do. But this is a team that lost to Boise State. This is a team that got smoked by Western Kentucky and Samford when they were more healthy than they are today. Uh, you know, Maybe injuries would have completely changed this team. I don't buy it, though. Would they be better? than they currently are? Yeah, sure, they would be better than they currently are. Would they be a surefire on the right side of the bubble NCAA tournament team? Uh, no shot. No shot. You can't convince me otherwise. So that's number one. I think injuries mask some things, but not everything. Number two is attendance. I don't think you could ignore that. Now, attendance is not everything. It's not the end-all, be-all, because Ole Miss football fans, for example, are thrilled should be thrilled with the current state of their program, and yet the Vanderbilt game had empty seats. Uh, A Tuesday night at 6 o'clock has never been a highly attended game. Never has. But two years ago, pre-COVID, what would that game have looked like? There would have been a full student section and a few thousand people in the stands. Last night, there was no student section. I mean, you would have thought they were on Christmas break. And there was maybe a thousand people in the stands, and I think that I, at, based on the pictures I've seen and talking to somebody there, a thousand's probably 
either right at it or being generous. So the fans have checked out. The team wasn't going to be very good again. And now the fans have checked out. And then you've got this other stuff, which I think is only an issue because they're losing. But it's sideline demeanor. That is something that is now being talked about by Ole Miss fans. I got a text from a friend that was at the game last night that said he looked unhinged. And the thing is, it's kind of how he's always coached. Kermit Davis coaches very hard. Um, He's pretty intense. He always has been. I mean, he's always been a quick sub, a quick timeout, and he's, he's intense. He's not the only basketball coach that's intense. Frank Martin, who he played last night, is very intense and uses language, bad language, all game, every game. And his players love him. So just because that's how Kermit Davis is acting doesn't mean that he's a bad guy or his players don't like him or anything like that. But when that is how you do act and then you lose, as much as they've lost this season, it magnifies it. Nick Saban gets hot on the sidelines, right? I mean, everybody's seen the video of him yelling at Lane Kiffin. And, I mean, there's dozens of times where you can point to Nick Saban screaming like that on the sidelines, okay? So I'm not saying that, you know, you know what I'm saying. Very descriptive radio host guy. But point is, when you act like that and your teams don't perform and they don't execute and offensive sets in crunch time are basically non-existent, and you've got an empty arena where your voice carries and everybody that actually bothered to show up can hear the things you say to a particular player, it gets magnified. It gets magnified. And uh, last night should have, in some people's mind, changed the conversation. Do I think he's going to get fired? I, I, I still don't. But do I think Keith Carter's attention needs to be focused on that consideration, that possibility? I do. I think that's something that he needs to look at. It's a little bit different because this is only year four and stuff like that, and they have been bit by the injury bug, and that feels like it's going to be a quite convenient excuse. But people kind of noticed what that was last night. It was a bad team losing to another bad team after they've recently lost to another bad team, and nobody was there to see it. And the few that were there heard some things that some people don't like. Saw some things that they don't like. A tie game with a two-second difference between the shot and the game clock, and your set is dribble the ball until the clock runs out and heave a bad three-point shot as you're leaning in to get fouled. After the game, blaming Matt Morrell for the half-court shot that was made by South Carolina when you're not guarding the inbound. The thing with the one player in particular that the arena could hear. I think the conversation has changed some. And just wait till Saturday. You want to talk about attendance? Just wait till Saturday. When, as I understand it, let me double check so I don't say this incorrectly, basketball and baseball will overlap. And the weather's going to be beautiful. And the baseball team's going to be very good. And... They broke a record in season ticket sales. That's going to be really telling to uh, to me. So I'm going to pull up the schedule right now just to make sure I don't tell you guys anything inaccurately. So Saturday is 1.30 for baseball. And for basketball, it is... Tw- Why did it... They're at Georgia. Why? I'm sorry. I mean, two weeks from now. When they're playing Texas A&M. Maybe the weather won't be as good and people want to stay inside. But two weeks from now when they're playing Texas A&M. And they've got a Saturday game against VCU. That will run into the basketball game. 
what will that number look like? Empty seats are hard to ignore. Especially when, I mean, what's the team going to look like next year? I said this on the radio show. This is not a, a shot at Kermit Davis because every coach has to do this. Lane Kiffin had to do this. Mike Leach, I'm sure, has had to do it. You've got to, in the transfer portal era, re-recruit your own roster often. I've had somebody say to me last night, well, you know, you you can't get rid of them because then you might lose Matt Morrell and Deshaun Ruffin. Well, maybe that's true. But I guarantee you, guarantee you, that those two guys are being recruited in back channels. They're being told that they should hit the portal. What happens if they do? If, If he stays? You don't make decisions based on, well, that player might leave, especially in the portal era where they might leave anyway. Tough uh, tough few weeks ahead for Keith Carter, I think. They should be, because last night was hard to ignore. You had bad attendance, a bad loss to a bad team, with bad execution at the end of that bad loss to a bad team, in front of a bad crowd. It's really hard to ignore. Fred talking about State said, I would be satisfied with uh, Matt McMahon, Bob Ritchie, Andy Kennedy, Sean Miller, and maybe Rick Pitino. Boy, Andy Kennedy, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't think John Cohen would hire Andy Kennedy. I don't think so. I really don't. Sid says, not a fire the coach guy, but the coaching at the end of the Ole Miss-South Carolina game was as bad as I've seen it in years. Church League coaches could have gone better, really bad. Jason says, if we don't retain Novak for the women, I'd give him a shot if we can't find better. That man can coach. Uh, John Cohen's uh, had had an interesting couple of quotes about that where it doesn't sound like Novak has won him over yet. I mean, he said the phrase, you know, we're a national brand. A lot of people are going to want this job. He's certainly going to get consideration. Don't forget, John Cohen's the guy that had a baseball coach take his team to Omaha as an interim and did not hire him. That dude's not afraid of of telling a successful interim coach no thanks. You know, he's done that. Guy went to Omaha. Went to freaking Omaha and didn't get the job. William says Kenny Payne needs to be the next Ole Miss basketball coach. (laughs) Ethan says, sir, it's softball season, almost baseball season. Basketball isn't real. It's all hallucination. Man, I'll I'll tell you this, though. There is uh, nothing more fun than having a good basketball team. I I have more fun watching a, a basketball team execute and win than a football team execute and win. Seriously, I do. Uh, I mean, the Pelicans last night played like absolute garbage, but two nights ago played as good of offense as I've ever seen. And it was so much freaking fun. It was so much fun. Watching good basketball is a blast, and I enjoy it more than football. But I hear you. I mean, you know, baseball's in two days, so I hear you. Yeah, Randall State's attendance. But the thing is, there's no message that State fans need to send anymore. You know, it's over. Cohen knows it. Howland knows it. It's it's done. Fred says, Cohen on a podcast today with Joel, good guy Joel Coleman, mentioned that they will be looking into ways to move the student section with the renovation, but said it's hard to keep or hard to give up premium seats to college kids. It is. You got to bite the bullet. You got to um, what they need to do is create more premium areas away from those seven, eight rows that stretch the length of the court. You just, you know, you have to create premium areas in other places because if you want a great atmosphere, your students will be on top of the court. Since there's a thousand people there with coaches and players at Ole Miss last night, I believe it. I mean, I, I got sent a picture and it looked like less than that. It looked like hundreds, not thousands. I mean, that's not a big arena. What is its seat? Was it 9,500? I think it's 9,500. 9,500 is what Wikipedia says its seats. Um, 
So if there were a thousand people there, that means there was a butt in every nine seats. There was not a butt in every nine, one in every nine seats. Both upper decks were completely empty and completely. Um, so no, there wasn't a, there wasn't a thousand people there. No way. And the reported attendance is so funny. It was like 5,800. Yeah. Yeah. Like 20% of that. Um, Patrick says, this is probably the worst season since Rod Barnes last day. So I think it's time for a change. Go for a young and hungry coach. Jason says, what happened to Frank Martin, by the way? He's a hell of a coach or was. Is it a South Carolina thing? In part, I mean, that's not an easy job. But, I mean, before his Final Four run, I think we overinflate how good of a coach Frank Martin is because his record doesn't exactly suggest that. Right? Or am I crazy? Um. I mean, at South Carolina, he's been to the NCAA tournament once. He's been the coach since 2012. He's been to the NIT once, and then he made the Final Four in his one NCAA tournament appearance. I think we kind of overinflate the kind of coach he is. It's just me, though. That is uh, That is just me. Pirates has been trying to figure out what state does on offense the last five minutes in close games. Michael, I wish Howland would show some emotion. You're not going to get it. You are not going to get it. But luckily, you're going to get some new blood into the program. Fred says close games to Minnesota, Colorado State, Florida, Kentucky. That Kentucky game, they should have won. Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU. Great teams win. If you win half those games, you are in the tournament. Hell, they don't even need to win half of them. Change the Kentucky and Tennessee games. Just those two, and they're on the right side of the bubble. It's how close they were, but that kind of shows what the problem is. They've got players that are able to keep them in those games, and yet they lose them down the stretch. That's where coaching is most magnified, I think. Their best players don't their best player does not get touches in crunch time in, in big games. Yeah, sorry about that, William. Yeah, next Saturday with Texas A&M. That's going to be a big tell. It's going to be a big tell. Jason says, ask this on the show. Kermit is a good game coach, but isn't getting talent. Howland's the polar opposite. Who out there can do both, but isn't a troubled retread? That's a good question. Um, But here's the thing. Based on the rankings, Kermit Davis has recruited, what, the best in Ole Miss history on average? He he's elevated recruiting. The evaluations and development haven't worked out. What's what's shocking is when when you add a player from the portal who was not a good offensive player at his previous stop, and is not a point guard, and is not a good offensive player at his previous stop, and he signs with you, and when he makes mistakes, and is not a good off, you react the way he gets reacted towards. What else did you expect? What did you expect from a player that wasn't good at his previous stop? With all due respect to the young man, he just wasn't a quality player at his previous stop. And then he comes to Ole Miss and plays like who he is and gets berated for it. Whose fault is that? Not the kids. Randall wants Rick Stansberry back. He'd get players, no doubt, and it's legal now. Larry says, we are not Auburn. The way they treat their coaches, so give Kermit another year. Um, This is year four, though. Um, I mean, here's the thing, man. Ole Miss won't investigate Kermit's personal life and spread rumors to try to get out of a buyout. Firing a coach who's underperforming after four years is not what Auburn's done to Brian Harson. Not even, not, not, it's not close. Um, I mean, if you're going still in the wrong direction after four years, what makes you think that five is going to be when it all works? 
Patrick says, I don't even think free beer could have gotten folks in the pavilion last night. That student crowd was shocking because since that building's open, the students have been great there, especially in conference play, of course. They weren't even there. It's Tuesday night. They don't have shit else to do. It's brutal. Just brutal. So, yeah, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. Thank God for college baseball, right, guys? Because without it, uh, (laughs) baseball would be in huge trouble. The minors are still going to play, which brings me to uh, something that I actually did want to talk about at least for a little bit. Who's next for state? I don't know. I, I am. My guess is John Cohen is more likely to go successful mid major route than high profile retread. <laughs> Personally, uh, yeah, I I don't expect Sean Miller, for example, the guy whose name I keep bringing up. I don't expect him to even get a phone call from Cohen. Personally, I don't. Um. That's something I'll have to look into more now that we know it's it's happening. Like the successful mid-majors. Let's see. Let's see. I'm pulling up the net right now. Here, I'll show it to you guys, too. Why not? Uh, yeah, Chris, that is done. Uh, Crum is uh, going to be in Oxford at the latest tomorrow. So the staff has been full or has been filled once again. So that is uh, that is done. Uh, going from defensive coordinator to, I mean, going from defensive coordinator to linebackers coach is interesting. I mean, I know it's Western Kentucky to Ole Miss, so it is an upgrade. Absolutely, it's an upgrade. But I, I found that interesting because despite what the Clarion Ledger writes incorrectly, Chris Partridge is the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. He's the one who will be calling plays. If there's a co-DC, it's in name only, and you know maybe they help with scheme or whatever, but Chris Partridge is Durkin's replacement, again, despite what the Clarion Ledger incorrectly uh, reports or writes. That's not the case. Um, it's a good hire, though. It's a really good hire. Going from D.C. to linebackers coach is a, uh, is a big deal. So, anyway, here's your net. Um, Kelvin Sampson. You think you're going to throw money at him? Possibly. Um, hmm. Oh, Murray State. That's one where uh, some Ole Miss fans that I talked to have suggested that Ole Miss hires Murray State's coach. So there's one. Um, don't know if you could pull from Loyola Chicago. That's been a really good program as of late. Uh, there's some options for sure, but. Those are your highest ranked men majors anyway. I'll have to look into actual names more, though. That's something that, truthfully, Will, I haven't done a whole lot of. Just being honest with you guys. I could pull names out of my butt, but that's that's the truth. Wade says, State's offense is terrible. Passing the ball around at the top of the key four or five times. Every pass is known. Watch their film, and you know what's going to happen. Run the shot clock out, down to five, and force a shot. <laughs> Will, see, I agree with you. Give me the dirtiest coach in America. If Will Wade still has a job, anything goes. Damn right. Damn right. Do you want to win or do you want to not win? Give me the guy who will win. Yeah, that that's true. Um, he went high-profile mid-major for the girls. I mean, it's not like they've had the John Cohen has struggled some with his first hire. His first baseball hire didn't go well. Second one was a freaking home run. Like, Lamonis was a great hire. Before that, not so much. Uh, Everybody loves Mike Leach. He's got some fan capital, some good built-up fan capital. Uh, Joe Moorhead didn't work. So maybe, maybe you'll have to... You know, suffer through a couple years of bad before then you get like a Final Four appearing head coach. That's what precedent is anyway. And seriously, look at Will Wade. Yeah, I mean, I've had people tell me, oh, you can't hire Sean Miller because the NCAA might get him. When? 2034? When when are they going to get him? 
I would dig into that myself. I don't think John Cohen's going to. Jason, I would go, I would rather have a guy with head coaching experience as opposed to an assistant. I mean, you're kind of seeing what, what the heir apparent assistant behind a great coach is doing at North Carolina, for example. They're going to be an NIT team. Not great. Matt McMahon, yeah, at uh, Murray State. Um, most people attribute the recruitment of John ja Morant to one of his assistants who, like, found him while getting food at a vending machine and saw him play, and that's how they signed him. But still, I mean, he's the, he's the guy that coached John ja Morant. That means something. Now he's doing what they're doing right now. Gary's asking, will Miss Baseball be as good as they say they are? Um, they should be. They should be. There's your million dollar. There's your million dollar thing. They should be as good as they say they are. I mean, nobody in the country returns the known quality lineup that Ole Miss has. Seriously, no, nobody has a more known, more quality lineup than Ole Miss. Nobody. If they get decent starting pitching, I mean, that's a team that can compete nationally. They can. Will they, though? But, yeah, all the pieces there are, pieces are there for them to be that good, without a doubt. I mean, is there a team that we know more about in the country than that one? You know, I guess you could argue Mississippi State, but State's replacing more in the lineup than Ole Miss is, and Landon Sims is moving from that closer role to the starter role. I expect him to be absolutely brilliant, but... I mean, we know more about Ole Miss than basically everybody in in the country. They should be really damn good. We'll see if they can actually be that. Ryan, in South Carolina, I don't know what it's like here. I assume it's the same. There was no shot clock in high school basketball. I mean, you see playoff games. It's so pathetic around the country where they'll end like eight to four. A team will get a four-point lead and just dribble the clock out of the game. It's pathetic. And the coaches involved should be embarrassed. But, yeah, you uh, you see that sometimes. Jason says, if we were LSU, I'd be okay hiring a dirty coach. We all know the NCAA would smack us into the ground for half of what they get away with. But here's the thing, man. Paying players is legal now. It's legal now. You can do it. It's not dirty. It's just it. It's allowed. <laughs> Fred, that wasn't nice. But here's here's the thing with that, Ethan. Ethan's saying, does the narrative of first head coach hire not working out really hold up given the off-field circumstances with Canizero or the health issues with Nikki McCray-Penson? Moorhead is really the only example there. Off-field issues or not, didn't work. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Getting into the nuance of it, for sure. I mean, on paper, Canizero was a great hire. He also just couldn't um, put his phone down, as it turns out, or uh, keep it in his, you know, couldn't do that. But it still, you know, didn't work out. There was there was something wrong there. And even with um, McCray-Penson and, and why she left, let's be honest, Fans were furious with the state of their women's basketball program when that happened. Or before that happened, I mean. It was like a free fall. I couldn't tell you the number of people that texted our show saying, fire her after one season. So, that's fair, though. The the nuance of it definitely changes the conversation, for sure. And Moorhead wasn't even really a fail. I know, I know, best defense in college football. He inherited it, all that. Quarterback punching a guy in the face, or quarterback getting punched in the face. NCAA, not scandal, but sanctions because of a tutor. He did go to two bowl games and beat Ole Miss twice. So, is that a fail? Because, I mean, doesn't feel like it. I don't know if you can call that a failure. You could say, ah, it didn't work out, discipline issues, but wasn't a failure. 
When it says LSU NIL, it's all over Baton Rouge on billboards. They're fully buying into it. Well, they've always bought into it. Now, instead of having to use hospital charities, they just get to do it above board. I, I really don't think people talk about that enough in college football circles. They really don't. The, the fact that a guy with a direct line of communication to the head football coach got arrested and went to prison for using the hospital charity to funnel money to football players and their families. I mean, think about that. And it's just, ah, eh, whatever. Oh, quirky old LSU using a hospital charity illegally, like not NCAA illegally, but illegally, like guy went to prison and it's just, ah, quirky old LSU just means more. Could you imagine if Mississippi State was using Baptist Hospital in Jackson to funnel money to players, what the reaction would have been if Ole Miss was using UMC to their, their, the, the children's hospital wing? If Joe Sanderson and Eli Manning, who have both donated a hefty amount of money to the children's hospital in Jackson, if they were just using their donations to funnel money to Ole Miss football players, what the reaction would be? Could you imagine the difference between what LSU's re- the reaction to LSU was versus what it would be here if Joe Sanderson was using the Children's Hospital to give money to Ole Miss football players? Could you imagine? Wade's asking a good question. How many more fans will State have opening day versus other SEC teams' attendance for a game the entire year? Uh, do they still report those numbers? 2021 college baseball attendance. Let's see. I don't want the summer league. Attendance. Okay. They haven't. Okay. 2021 is not available on the SEC website. Let's see. Let's do just for for the hell of it, 2019, because I think that number is available. It's ridiculous how I can't find 2020. It should not be as hard to find as, as I'm... This is ridiculous. I can't find it. Here we go. Maybe this will be it. So Mississippi State's opening day attendance will beat all but three, Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think Arkansas, Ole Miss, and LSU will all have bigger crowds than Mississippi State's opening day uh, crowd at some point during the season, and that's probably it. But don't forget, Mississippi State's going to report 13,000 at least for every single game because that's how many season tickets they sold. So so real butts in seats, those three will have more at some point. Reported attendance? Congratulations, you won the attendance battle this year. Yeah, Fred, I agree with you. He technically technically didn't fail. He just didn't have uh, tight control on the program. Ethan says there are some Texas high school teams that would have beaten Ole Miss in 2019. Um, yeah, but man, Plumlee would have run for a bunch of yards. True, he was coaching against Matt Luke. That definitely does change things for sure. Fred, you're right. There's always a snake around the corner in Baton Rouge. I mean, some of the things that have happened there that the media just kind of was like, eh, would have been magnified if they'd have happened here. It's amazing what they get away with. 
And Pirate, I agree with you. I, until something happens to LSU, I will not believe it. I will believe it when I see it. There's too much going for LSU on top of the fact that the uh, head of the NCAA used to be the chancellor at LSU. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, the SEC website is trash. The attendance, I mean, attendance reporting is brutal to find, as I just learned. Yeah, they'll be, I think it, it'll be everybody but three. But, yeah. Jason says he's ready to hear some baseball. Me too, man. Me, uh, me too. We're still doing a radio show on Friday, despite baseball covering up basically all of our stations, but we'll uh, we'll be streaming and whatnot. Just get to kick back and, you know, watch the games and just kind of react to them. It'll be fun. And we'll be in Starkville tomorrow. I'm excited for that, although the weather's going to suck. I'll be driving through tornadoes on the way there. But uh, excited to be at Duty Noble. We'll be up in the press box. We were supposed to be outside, like, with the stadium in the background, like in Left Field Lounge. But, again, because of tornadoes and all that stuff tomorrow, we'll be inside. But that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, man, worth it. It'll be my first time inside. So I've I've been around it. I have not been inside of it yet, if you can believe it. I don't get to go to games much. Uh, I'm just, you know constantly working and if i'm constantly working that means i can't go have fun so i'm usually stuck in jackson uh, unable to go to most of the games so this is the first time i actually get to see the stadium Um, media press box is where we'll be the broadcast booth is too small for uh for what we're trying to do so we'll be just in the regular press box area um yeah, sure. Here should hear from uh, Lamonis and Foxhall and and Sims at least. That's that's the hope for now. Um, hey, Dad's apparently working on Mike Leach, so hopefully that happens. But either way, it should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Ben says I was excited to see Ole Miss broke their season ticket sales in baseball. I wanted to touch that camera through the fence. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, yeah. A, uh, the the renovations that Swayze will get will bring the season ticket availability number up to, I would guess, around ten. Right? I mean, they're expanding both outfield sections, adding more clubs, doing stuff like that. So, um, I don't think it'll be the same size as Duty Noble when it's all said and done. But I think it'll be much closer than it is right now in terms of actual like reportable, you know, ticket sales and whatnot. So. Pirate says LSU just received $270 million for COVID protocols. Wow. Athletics got $80 million for that? <sighs> Love it. McCants and Gonzalez, first-team All-Americans. McCant, one thing that I haven't seen talked about much, and I understand there's a lot more interesting things with this team, like who's going to pitch, but uh, McCants has got to play a better center field than he did last year. He cost them runs multiple runs in key games last year. Again, he was a freshman that got moved to center field for the first time in his life. Understand why he made those mistakes, but they've got to get better defense out of center field. Have to. Yeah, Jason, we'll try to be careful. I, I, uh, I'm i not nervous about it, but I'm also not totally like jazzed up for driving through that weather. Uh, I'll be driving through like right when it's really bad too, so. I'll I'll go slow, leaving a little earlier than originally planned. So, oh, that's all right, Ben. Enjoy yourself. Saturday weather is going to be stunning. Opening day weather is going to suck. It's going to be cold, but Saturday and Sunday at both places this weekend is going to be just beautiful, just beautiful. Well, then we might be in the broadcast booth. I, I might have that backwards then. Uh, I just know one of the two indoor options was rejected because it was too small. So maybe it is the broadcast booth that we're going to be in. Um, we'll have the field posted uh, posted behind us, though. Anyway, all right, I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I, uh, first of all, I appreciate all of you guys watching and, uh, and being a part. Don't forget to subscribe while you're here if you haven't already and like the video. That will help me a lot. The YouTube algorithm, when when you're live and you're done live, the video just like freaking disappears. It just goes away. It's crazy. Um, so don't forget uh, 
to you know like the video while you're here if you don't mind if you actually like what you hear final thought though i posted it on twitter so if you saw it already uh forgive me but um jeff passens reporting about what major league baseball wants to do to the minor system so obviously they're going to delay the season which i think is a, a disaster for them it's already losing popularity major league baseball it's already losing popularity especially among young people Young people are tuning out of Major League Baseball. Not interested at all. Not interested. And if there's a delay to the season, it will only continue to hurt that. But what's not being talked about enough is what Jeff Passan reported the other day. That Major League Baseball, in these negotiations, is proposing reducing the size of the minor league system for each team bringing that number down from 180 to a maximum of 150. Cutting 30 players per team, quick math, that's a few hundred minor league player positions that will be eliminated by Major League Baseball if they get their way. Obviously, if you're losing 30 players in your system, you're losing an entire team. They've already started uh, reducing the number of teams in their farm system. Now, baseball is unique. You know, hockey has affiliates, but they don't own these teams. Like my hometown minor league hockey team is an affiliate, I believe, of the Florida Panthers. The Panthers don't own them, though, so it's a little bit different. Football obviously doesn't have a minor league system. They have college football. So baseball does pay more for their farm system, if you will, than any other sport. Although they barely pay the players a poverty wage, let alone a living wage, but still. Um, there are costs associated with operating a minor league system. But the thing is, I didn't grow up like a lot of you guys did, where I didn't grow up going to Swayze Field. I didn't grow up going to Duty Noble. I didn't fall in love with baseball because I went to campus and saw a beer shower or didn't hang out in left field lounge or whatever, uh, wherever. You know, that's not how I learned about baseball. I learned about baseball because my dad took me to Greenville Braves games. It's a team that moved, by the way, from my hometown to right back here in Pearl. And uh, we got a Boston affiliate that moved downtown. doesn't matter. Either way, that's how I grew up in baseball. That's how I learned about the game. That's how I fell in love with the game was at the Braves, but not the Atlanta Braves, not at a big league park, at the Greenville Braves, the little double-A field. That's where I learned to love baseball. That's where it grabbed me. That's where I became a fan. Baseball's already having a hard time getting people to go to their big league games. Baseball's already having a hard time with young people, getting young people interested in their game. If you start making cuts to the minor league system, you will create fewer and fewer opportunities for young people to fall in love with your game. And they'll go elsewhere. There will be a local soccer team in town or a hockey team, or they'll go to football games or basketball. The, the, sports fans find other sports to get interested in when yours goes away. They do. We don't just be done. We're not just, oh, well, baseball's not here. I'm still going to just find another baseball team, and that's it. No, they find something else. If you cut away your minor league system, if you reduce it, you will reduce opportunities like the one I had when I was a kid to become a fan of baseball because that's where I fell in love with the game. Five bucks for me and my dad, he'd, he'd get a beer and we'd watch baseball and he'd explain the game to me and then we'd go behind the bullpen and, and I get to hear the, the, the wind breaking when the seams would cut through the air right there in front of my face because you had access to the bullpen basically at that park, and and that's where I, I grew to love it. Without that opportunity, as a kid, I wouldn't have become a fan of baseball. We would have gone and done something else instead. And so if you take away these minor league games, maybe it's not what they're thinking about. Maybe they're just more worried about cutting costs, but it makes professional baseball so accessible for the average person not in a big market with young kids. And if you don't cater to those people, they're going to find something else. Because my hometown, for example, where I grew up, 
let's pretend for a second that the the Boston Red Sox cut their 1A team, which is who's in Greenville now. Beautiful stadium downtown, but let's pretend they cut them. Greenville has a minor league hockey team. They also have a, a U, what is it, USL soccer team that's really good. So random sports fan, father and son, won't go to the baseball game anymore. They'll just go to the soccer game on Friday night for the same amount of money for a ticket and beer, and they'll learn to love that game instead. It's a shame. On top of the fact that you're taking away opportunities for young ballplayers to to make it in the show, but if they want to ruin it, that's fine. They just need to understand what will come with eliminating the minor league system. You will lose opportunities to gain fans, and they need them. Brian says, uh, that's how we were, Jackson Mets and Jackson Generals. Every weekend they had games. I mean, I want to take my son to Mississippi Braves games this year. And now he's he's young. He won't even really know what's going on. But I would love to raise him up where baseball is part of his life. And it's professional baseball. And when he's a little bit older, when he's five and six years old, when he's actually like remembering things, he can see a player. And then in two years, we put on the big Braves. And there's that guy. Remember you saw him? We went to the game and he waved to you or, or you caught his foul ball or, or you watched it, all that stuff. It just it creates such magic and baseball is not going to capture it. It's a shame. Jason says the last major league game I went to was in Seattle for like $7 and it sucked. Everything was expensive and it was just boring compared to college baseball. I'd much rather go to a minor league game. That's how they grabbed me and they're slowly losing me over time. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you very much. As always, we'll be back Sunday night to recap the first weekend of college baseball. The first weekend of college baseball. Sunday night, right here on this channel. We'll talk state. We'll talk Ole Miss. And anything else that comes up in the sports world. But baseball will be what we're talking about on Sunday. I can't wait. Ethan's got the last message, and then I'm hanging it up. He says, it was monumental when the Sugarland Skeeters showed up. I can't say how disappointed I was when they were bought by the Astros. You don't want to hear my Astros take. I promise you that, my friend. Thank you, guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you Sunday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.